I'm Jonathan Platt, and you're listening to Direct Line Conversations, the podcast. Nobody makes it to the top alone. Now, you don't even have to try. Your journey to a life filled with purpose and leadership fueled by confidence begins right now. This week, my guests are 2021 Hall of Fame Abner V. McCall Humanitarian honorees Mark and Aubin Peterson. Mark built a career in financial services with engagement, which have allowed him to fling his green and gold from coast to coast, as well as across the Atlantic. He currently serves as the Baylor Bear Foundation representative on the Baylor Board of Regents. Aubin has been a community and church volunteer and bridge builder. Together, they founded Another Story which seeks to create a safe space for dialogue on sexual orientation and gender identity and for traditional biblical perspectives on these issues to be explored and discussed. Thanks so much for joining me to hear Mark and Aubin's story and celebrate them together as the Baylor family. Here's my interview with Mark and Aubin Peterson. Mark and Aubin Peterson, how are you guys? Good afternoon. We're doing well. We're doing well, John. Good to see you. Fantastic. How are things up there in Dallas? Uh, We're in Arlington, actually. Alvin always wants me to be specific because we're not in Dallas or Fort Worth. (laughs) And and, uh, it's uh, part of the Metroplex, as you know, and uh, it's a beautiful day here today. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nice and windy, if you'd believe that, down here in Waco. I think it's somewhere around 40 degrees. I had to get my big coat out this morning to take the dog. So it's, it's been fun. How are you guys doing? Everything okay? Doing Staying well. safe and stuff? Yeah. Good. We're, we're managing to deal with uh, the pandemic days we're in, but uh, it's good. Yeah. Well, I really wish that we could be in person to do this interview. I um, have especially enjoyed uh, reading uh, your bios and collecting stories from from some of your friends and some of your your Baylor colleagues, um, it's it's truly been a blessing to get to know you guys and now actually get to talk to you. So for those though who don't know who you are and know what you do, uh, could each of you just share a, a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what your world is like right now? Sure. Yeah, I'm Mark Peterson. Um, I'm, I graduated from Baylor in 1984 with an MBA degree. Um, I didn't. I wasn't able to go to Baylor undergrad, but I had always aspired uh, to go to Baylor. Uh, I guess some interesting stories. I, I did decide after working for about a year and a half uh, to pursue my uh, master's in business, and so I moved to Waco uh, to do that. Um, I'll confess there was a girl I was dating that was currently attending Baylor. And, uh, and so that was one of the side benefits of moving to Waco and starting my MBA. Um, I will say one of the interesting things that happened, uh, I interviewed at a bank, what was then the first national bank of Waco, Monty Hulse, who's a Baylor grad, was president of the bank. And I was just looking for part-time work. And after I interviewed, they came back and said, uh, We'd like to make you this offer. If you'll, we we have a, a position in our credit department. We need a full time person. But if you'll take that, uh, we'll pay for your uh, uh, school. We'll pay for your MBA, and we'll give you time off to go pursue that. Uh, but it, it can't be full time. It'd be in the afternoons. And so I said, well, let me pray about that for a minute. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a great deal. I took that. Uh, 
And so um, I met Aubin while I was there. She wasn't the girl that I was dating at the time when I went down there. So uh, uh, God's providence gave me the opportunity to meet her. We we have two children, uh, adult children now. Uh, Will, who did, spent one year at Baylor and actually met his wife, uh, who became his wife later while he was at Baylor, but then he transferred to NYU at the urging of Bob Darden, uh, who he had for a writing class. What are you going to do with that guy? He did that to pursue his passion uh, of, of being a, a writer and a director in, in, in the film business. And then, like I said, he, his, his uh, wife today is a Baylor grad, now uh, Bader, now Bader Cannon now. Um, and they have a three-year-old and they live in L.A. Uh, we have a daughter that's a Baylor grad, 2007, um, and she uh, lives in North Dallas now. She has a uh, almost four-year-old and a one-year-old. And uh, she got married. Uh, uh, and uh, the young man was not a Baylor grad. Uh, but he, in self-defense, like I did, he went on and got his executive MBA from Baylor. So he, he, he carries a Baylor diploma as well. So, and uh, my business uh, over the years t- took me traveling uh all over the country and in certain parts of the world. Uh, it's been primarily in the financial services, private equity business. And I have a, have a small private equity firm now that, that I, that I run. Aubin, and you were at Baylor when, when Mark was there. Um, could you tell me uh, what campus was like while you were there and what kind of studies you were doing and, and what some of your activities were? Yes, um, I actually transferred to Baylor the middle of my junior year from Oklahoma City University as a religion major, um, and I kind of did it, like Mark said, in self-defense. I had two older sisters. Originally, I did not want to follow in their footsteps, Linda Cross and Sharon Vickery, because they were very outstanding. But I saw what Baylor was offering, and I thought, mm, I think I'm, I do want to go to Baylor. Um, so I transferred the middle of my junior year and graduated in 1974, actually before Mark was there, with a degree in, in uh, religion. And then I married and moved to East Texas, moved back. Um, with my son, Will, and um, when Mark and I married, um, he was traveling a lot, so I was able to stay home with Will and was able to be a, a home mom for a while, but decided I needed to do something else, so I became a volunteer with the Junior League of Arlington, which gave me great training on how to organize and raise funds and um, ask people for things that were needed to help the community out, so I've spent most of my adult life as as a community volunteer and with my church. So I got to spend time with the kids when Mark was away and then do that kind of thing in my community. Yeah. And, and Mark, you, you had said that you'd always had an aspiration to go to Baylor, but weren't able to go to, if I remember right, you went to university of Texas at Arlington. For, for That's correct. Yes. Um, got a business what, degree. What was, what was that pull that, that kept um, taking you towards Baylor? Where did that come from? Well, I, I grew up in a small town in North Texas, Burke Burnett. I was uh, attended, grew up in First Baptist Church, Burke Burnett, and and we had specifically we had one family that had strong Baylor ties, and their son had gone to Baylor and actually went to Baylor Law, and he was uh, much older than I, but I always admired him, and uh, literally I, I will say uh, I fondly remember the nineteen seventy four. Uh, Baylor team that made the huge comeback and beat Texas. I was sitting in my parents' home uh, during that game, 
And when they won the game, I jumped up in, in che- to cheer, and I happened to be standing just to, under the, the, the threshold between the kitchen and the living room and about knocked myself out hitting the, <laughs> the, the threshold. So so you were through the roof for Baylor yeah, from a young That's age. right. That's it. Yeah. And has been ever since. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, well, you guys um, are both receiving uh, together the Abner V. McCall uh, Humanitarian Award this year. And I'm, I'm just so honored to, to get to spend some time with you, but also so excited to congratulate and celebrate both of you. And, and so when, when you were informed uh, that you were getting this award and, and have since had time to process that, I'm curious what receiving this award means to, to both of you. Well, I would like to start this, this part of it. Um, I'm especially honored because um, Judge McCall was one of my favorite people on campus when I was there in 1973 and 74. Um, as I said, I transferred in. And so I had been working in the financial aid office at Oklahoma City University So I was very familiar with what financial aid was available to people. So as I transferred in, I had a great package for financial aid. But as the semester ended that spring, I found out that my financial aid had been cut in half. (laughs) And so I went to my parents and said, what am I going to do? And they said, well, you're going to have to go to the bank and get a loan, which was really unfathomable. And so um, I decided I would just go talk to Dr. McCall because he had an open door policy. Yes, I've heard many stories about the open door policy. Yeah. And so and and his his um assistant, um, I believe her name was Johnny Womack, went to Seventh and James, which is where I was a student, which I was a member. And so I asked her if I could make an appointment. She said yes. So I went into my appointment and he had a huge desk and a little chair right beside the desk, and I sat down and I explained to him that um, I had worked in the financial aid office. I knew how much I was entitled to because of my income or lack thereof. And he said, yes, Miss Francis. Yes, Miss Francis. And he picked up the phone and he said, Arch, Miss Francis will be at your office at nine o'clock in the morning. And so I went over there to the financial aid office, actually for the second time, because the first time they didn't want to do anything. So anyway, I went over, my financial aid was restored. So they, I mean, even with a loan, I could go back to school. So I really appreciated what he allowed that I would be able to finish my degree at Baylor um, because otherwise I don't think I could have done it. Um, it's, it's so very, uh, it's so very awesome to, to um, be a part of, of delivering these awards to such, you know, deserving people. But what's especially unique and and cool to me is whenever I get to meet someone and be a part of honoring them and they know personally the namesake of the Mm -hmm. award. We have two or three others uh, in this class who can, who can tell similar stories about knowing uh, Dr. White or, or, or knowing Price Daniel. And so that's, that is such a, a special, special story. Um, Mark, on, on your side, uh, what, what does receiving this award mean to you? Well, I mean, like Auburn, I, I had huge respect for uh, Judge McCall, for what he meant to Baylor, you know, and, and you know, for, for, for this award to be named for him is, is obviously number one. Number two, a humanitarian award, how could you not be so humbled and honored to be considered for that? Uh, and so, you know, when Alan called me, to let me know, I, I was just, I was almost speechless. Uh, uh, I just, 
to think that someone would have nominated us for that. And, and then when I found out that where one of the, nom the nomination came from, uh, that's another story in and of itself, because the person that nominated us worked for Auburn. Uh, when we were in Waco together, and right after we got married, we, we acquired a, a gift shop in Waco. And she ran the gift shop and hired Baylor students to work in that shop. And the person that nominated us worked for her in that shop way back then. And we've, we've been friends ever since. But the story goes back further than that. Annette Hudson um, was the young lady that worked for us. And uh, she had actually been a student when I did my student teaching for Stephen F. Austin in Lufkin, Texas. And so I'd known Annette since she was a junior in high school. And then when she walked into an office with my brother when he was at Baylor, and I said, wait a minute, how do you guys know each other? It was a small world. And then she started work for, working for us at the shop. That's, that's too special. From, from the nomination to the namesake, you, you guys are perfect for, for this award. So, well, so, uh, Aubin, I've read some of your bio, and I know you have a, a very special mentor um, and inspiration in the religion department, um, but I'm right. curious about both of your uh, mentors, inspirations, um, your, some of your favorite classmates. Who are some of those people that, that you're so honored to be a part of this Baylor family with and who have helped make who you are today possible? Oh, gosh, for me, there's so many. Um, well, first of all, my, my siblings, um, I have outstanding siblings. Like I mentioned, Linda Cross and Sharon Vickery, who are mentors for me today. But my younger brother, I have to say younger, he is younger, Ed Francis, um, also attended Baylor, and I'm so proud of him. Um, my professors, gosh, um, I wish I'd thought of this earlier, but um, my religion professors, especially Dr. Cutter, uh, my great prof, uh, Dr. Crescent Hilburn, Wally Christian, um, and then there's um, Patterson and Dr. Dwyer, especially. Um, I didn't know at the time, you know, that these guys were going to make such an impact on my life. I knew I enjoyed studying religion, had no desire to go into church work, not, not going to happen for me, um, but I didn't know what I was going to do with my degree. Um, so it's kind of leap, a leap of faith there. I always remember Dr. Dwyer because he sort of reminded me as a, a small version of uh, Billy Graham. He always had gorgeous suits and great curly hair. Um, he always had a twinkle in his eye, and he, he had a very dry sense of humor. So as a professor, when he would talk about the New Testament and sort of make statements that made you question, wait, what'd you say? Um, um, things that you'd always been taught. Well, wait a minute, let's look at it a different way. So he, I remembered him because of that. But then in 2004, I read an article in the Dallas Morning News about Dr. Dwyer and his wife being honored by PFLAG, um, Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays in Waco, because they were naming their building after the Dwyers. I thought, wait, this is a Southern Baptist minister professor having a building named after him in Waco, Texas. <laughs> so um, I wrote a note to the Dwyers and I said, um, you're not going to remember me because I was not an outstanding student. Um, so, but I would like to hear more of your story. And so I went to visit with the Dwyers and Dr. Dwyer told me the story of his son, Paul, who um, graduated from Baylor, but he never came home, never came back. Um, you know, he came home, but he never brought a girl around. And so he realized in the eighties that um, he, Dr. Dwyer needed, and he and his wife needed to do some, some, research about um, 
sexuality and understanding of scripture in a different way. And when he did, he wrote a little book and, and the, the article that I read had talked about this book. And so, um, and, and Dr. Dwyer telling me the story um, of the, the discrimination and the pain that Paul had endured um, as, as a gay man, I realized um, how deeply the Dwyers had been touched and how they understood scripture in a new way because they had a personal um, connection to someone who needed to be understood in a different way than, than we had all understood um, diverse sexuality and gender identity for so long. So um, I was beginning to embark on my education at Bright Divinity School and, and realized perhaps that that's what my focus should be. So um, little did I know that, um, you know, in 1973, Dr. Dwyer would change my life so drastically, but we, be we became fast friends again and I stayed connected to um, Dr. Dwyer. He, he passed away that year, actually. And then uh, Mrs. Dwyer and I became good friends, too. And, and we are friends today, um, Paul and, and Dee Dee and I. That's fantastic. And, and Aubin, could you tell me just a little bit about another story and what it is? Sure. When I graduated from Bright in 2009, um, I had a focus on LGBTQ issues and um, the church and how we were going to be including people in, in the church, basically, because um, so much um, of what the church does or ha has done has tried to build walls to make sure that the right people um, got in or didn't, or that was my understanding. And so um, I didn't know what I was going to do, but in 2011, my neighbor came up to me at a neighborhood association meeting and said, Alvin, what are we going to do? What would you do when our neighbor kicks their kid out because he's gay? And I said, what? And um, Scott said, yeah. I said, uh, our neighbors kicked Levi out because um, he'd gone to a program, but he, he couldn't not be gay. He's gay. And so I was so upset hearing that a high school senior had been kicked out of his home about two or three weeks before he graduated from high school, I turned to Mark and said, okay, what are we going to do? I've got to do something. And so I did some research and basically what I found was that there needed to be a safe space for LGBTQ persons to tell their stories. Um, if you have never heard stories from people who have experienced discrimination because of who they are, what they look like, um, who they love. It is heartbreaking to understand the loss um, and the damage that has been done. And so often it has been through our churches. And so I began to, um, we opened our home to um, about 20 people the first time, just to see if there was a deed um, for people to come and tell their stories and for parents um, who had kids that they thought might be gay um, for anyone who, who had an interest or a desire to learn more about diverse human sexuality or gender identity. And the first time um, everybody came, we watched um, the documentary For the Bible Tells Me So by the Human Rights Campaign, which is a story of five families dealing with a family member who comes out and how their church community and family communities dealt with them. It was very educational and then after we watched the movie, we had a couple tell their story. And then I just opened it up to the group. I said, do you ever want to meet again? If so, when, where, and what do you want to do? 
And they said, we want to meet once a month and we want to meet in your home because we don't want to go to a church and we don't want to meet in a business building. And we do want to have a potluck dinner like tonight. <laughs> so um, we meet once a month. Um, we have been since 2011 in our home. It's normally the third Sunday of the month. Um, until the pandemic, we had such fabulous meals. Um, everybody bought a potluck dinner. We would have anywhere from 30 to 60 people from time to time. Wow. The group um, would give me suggestions on either a topic they wanted me to have um, a professional address or a person that they were interested in. And we've had some phenomenal stories, um, some hilariously sad things, um, stories have been told, but um, I think it's been such an um, incredible community that has been started. And um, even today, we have to make sure that it's a safe space for people to come and ask questions and tell stories and share um, the, the things that are on their hearts and minds, especially where our churches are, are involved, because we have, to, we have to learn to perhaps look at scripture in new ways with the overarching story of scripture, which is love. We must love. Mark, I, th I, think, I think I'm supposed to ask you about your career or something like that to follow the script. <laughs> I'm not going to. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you, uh, what has it been like to, to play a partnership uh, with this amazing woman and her amazingly important uh, adventure? Well, you know, I, I go back to uh, the day I met Aubin. Actually, the day I saw her. I didn't meet her the day I saw her. I was in Waco. I was at the First National Bank at the time, and she walked across the lobby with one of our secretaries. Uh, obviously, little did I know what, what that encounter was going to ultimately lead to. Uh, but no, I mean, it, it is a partnership, and um, uh, I've learned so much from her through this journey. We've, we've met so many wonderful people. Uh, through this journey, we've had the opportunity to do uh, incredible things uh, and help lives. Uh, you know, Paul Dwyer uh, and many of the others that have been involved uh, in this have told us numerous times um, that we we help save lives, and and you know we don't we 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 don't see that but we we see that we help people understand humanity you know and god's love you know that's the most important thing is uh, the two great commandments right love god and love your neighbor as yourself um and and all the other rules and regulations and laws got to be based on that and um and it's been it's been a privilege it's been the joy of my life. One of the things that um, has that I've noticed through the years is that so many of the stories we've heard are from Baylor graduates who attended Baylor that had no idea that they might be gay because they were trying to live what everyone else was living and uh, go to Baylor, find a wife, have kids, you know, get married and have kids, and then learn that they just couldn't, they couldn't do that, that, um, that was not who they were. And I think that's the most um, enlightening thing is that people sometimes don't realize um, their true authentic self until 
they're a little uh, a little later in their lives, um, and it's important that we allow people to um, to become educated about sexuality and gender, and not be fearful of it. I think if there was one thing I would say, which may not be the right thing to say right now at this particular time, but um, being true to yourself and not being afraid, because the scripture is full of fear nots. But when you, when you really look at someone else and see the image of God in that person, it allows you not to be afraid of a person or something that that person might represent and to look beyond that. Not that I always do, <laughs> but I know that it is very liberating when, you, when I can do that. I've, I've heard, I've never counted for myself, uh, but I trust the source um, I've heard that be not afraid uh, and similar phrases like that are the most used phrase mm-hmm. uh, in the Bible. And uh, the person who I heard say this uh, said, that tells me two things. I'm going to be afraid and I shouldn't be. Yeah. And, oh my gosh, we're going to go to church in a minute if we're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already been because yeah. I'm crying. <laughs> so, um, Wow, how do I follow that up? My gosh, um, I I guess I guess I want to ask a question um, that's probably going to be a, a a a little bit. No, I'm going to go back. I I have I have an, an interest. What's that like being a Baylor grad, consoling or walking with or or being involved in in the the, the healing of another Baylor grad? What is what is that like? well you know we're just called to be to walk with people um, and to be present and I think one of the greatest things that you can do as a friend or as a person is to be with someone who needs a presence at that time Um, but for me personally it is the most rewarding thing to know that I've helped someone understand that they are really loved by God, that they don't have to listen to the voices around them that may be saying you're not worthy or you are worthless or worse, that you're an abomination. So it's, it's, it's incredible to see someone begin to heal and to love themselves. Thank you so much for your work. It is so important. Um, okay, I'm going to try to get us uh, back on, on track a little bit. <laughs> um, Mark, I had, I had asked you about who your mentors and, and, and inspirations were at, at Baylor. Um, do you, do you, can you recall any, um, sure. any friends that have stuck with you? No, absolutely. I, you know, when I came, uh, it's interesting, one of my early classes, uh, MBA class, was with Terry Manus. And we developed a friendship and have been friends all these years. And Terry's allowed me to uh, come and lecture and do work with uh, other business school students and work with some of the other professors. And I'm actually teaching uh, an executive MBA course uh, here in Dallas. They have a a group that meets in Dallas. Uh, And so uh, I I help out there. Uh, You know, my professors through that, Kent Gilbreth, uh, Bray Perryman, uh, Jim Truitt, Jim Tipton, you know, uh, Chuck Delaney have all really impacted my life in so many different ways. Uh, 
Uh, and then really, you know, I would say uh, probably one of the mo more important persons in my uh, development through Baylor is, was Doug Smith. When he came to head up uh, the Baylor Bear Foundation, got me involved and plugged in. I got on the board, served 10 years on the board, and then served as the uh, president of the board of the Bear Foundation. And then that ultimately obviously led me to have a role on the, the Board of Regents now um, in my second year in that term. So, um, you know, just people have just impact me like I, I just can't explain. And I, I think I remember you were also on the Alumni Association Board as well. I did. I did serve, I don't know, three years or so on the Alumni Association Board back in the day. Yeah. What is What has it been like um, to be on so many different um influential roles in, in the Baylor uh, alumni and the Baylor uh, furtherance of, of this family. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. You know, it just, uh, just being able to contribute uh, to be, be more involved with the, the, the family, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I have a little problem. You know, we use it, somebody coined the term Baylor nation, but I've always seen it as a Baylor family. Um, and, and, and what I really love now is when people call me and say, Hey, my son or daughter is interested in Baylor. You know, what could you, could you help us? Is there could, you know, I had a guy call email me the other day, his daughter's a junior wanted to do a tour of campus. And, um, you know, it is a special place. It's, it's got its faults as we all know, you know, we've been through our issues, but it's still a very special place. Um, and, you know, we, we hope that we can continue to make progress on some of the issues that we've been dealing with. And, and I think we will because there's just good people working on it. I, I agree. I, um, I went back and I read every single Lariat. Um, I think I eventually had to stop at like 1921 or maybe 1920, but read, you know, in, in reverse, all of those Lariats um, and then ended up doing uh, my thesis specifically around uh, desegregation at, at Baylor. Um, and the thing that, that I noticed is one, Baylor is always progressing forward, whether it is development, whether it is social, um, uh, whether it is uh, education innovation, um, but Baylor is always progressing forward. And, and the other thing that, that I noticed uh, is that it always starts with a small group of students who care deeply about an issue to push it forward and eventually it gets in front of enough people that, you know, maybe the faculty Senate has to make, you know, a, a statement about it. And eventually it works its way up to the, the Board of Regents. How uh, Abner McCall, who you guys you know, are receiving this award uh, uh, named after, how he handled the desegregation uh, issue at Baylor is truly a, a master class in leadership of, uh, of an organization and uh, it's it's one of the, the coolest things that I got to experience. So I, I agree with you, Mark. I, we're I believe we will keep progressing um, on these very very important issues. So uh, speaking of progressing um, in every uh, act, whether you know it's it's career or volunteer or family, um, we have to face challenges as we go forward. Especially for those of us that have big dreams um, and want to take a hold of big futures. So I'm wondering if both of you could talk about. Um, what some of the more challenging parts of your success have been, and then if you could, 
uh, could you pass on a little bit of the, the wisdom or the experience that you've, you've gained in having gone through those trials and having been tested? What have you learned coming out on the other side of those, those challenges? I think one of the things the junior league taught me in their training um, was to ask for things that I was uncomfortable asking for. Um, and so when I learned that I believed in my community needs enough, I was willing to step out and not think about myself, but think about what I was doing. Um, that was a good lesson for me to learn. So in the challenge um, with my volunteer work um, or with working with another story, I keep the bigger picture in mind. It's not about me. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this because I see a need and I look beyond that. And what do I need to do to answer that need? And uh, I lean into it. If it's a challenge, I step out there and if someone tells me no, okay, they tell me no, it's not about me. It's about you, buddy. <laughs> so just, just keep going on. But, but whatever your passion is, um, um, follow that passion because that can be God's call on your life. That may be the direction that your life is being, is being led. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from Frederick Buechner. And it's on vocation because I feel like this is my vocation. And it's the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Mm. It really speaks to me because I feel like there's such a deep need. And this is something I can help with. I can do this. So do it, whatever it is. I love it. Mark, what, what about you? Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the things that uh, I've learned is whatever challenge you're going through, somebody else has been there. And there's somebody out there that will be willing to help, to counsel uh, it, it's just so important to have mentors and to have uh, people you can confide in and share. And then it's also important to play it forward, to know that when I've gone through this issue, there's going to come a time when I'm going to have need to help somebody else and be available to offer guidance and hope. Uh, that you can get through this challenge. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a light at the end of that tunnel. Um, and, and as Aubin said, lean into it. So that's what I would say is that uh, don't, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. There are people that want to help. And then don't be afraid to go and say, Hey, I've been there too. And, and here's how I dealt with it. Here, here's how I work with, work through it. I want to add just one thing to that. That was one of the first things that I learned um, when I became divorced in um, 1980. Um, and then Mark and I remarried. I, rem I realized that there were people coming behind me. There were other people that were going to be divorced. And I wanted to be able to share the story that it's okay. You do survive it. You do find a place in the church. You will be okay. You will be loved. And that's what, that's one thing I realized the discrimination that I experienced in that um, being divorced, which I did when we were going through wedding planning, um, I realized for the first time what it meant to be discriminated against. And so one of the things I'd, I'd learned um, as, as we were married and then we became involved in sin school classes 
if there were people who were divorced, I reached out to them. I made sure that they understood that this was not going to be a place of discrimination because of an experience they had in their life. Kind of like that Good Samaritan story. Passion and empathy meeting. <laughs> I, I love it so much. So, well, okay, guys, I've got some rapid fire questions that okay. if you guys okay. want to play with them. Um, sure. Okay. The, the rules are you cannot think. You just got to go with whatever comes to the first, uh, first thought of your mind. So um, none of them are scary, uh, but maybe they're a little more fun and it'll, it'll round out uh, the end of this time together. So hey, don't do the food thing yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the first one is uh, when the pressure is building uh, and, and when you feel stress or anxiety, uh, maybe before this interview, um, you know, the, uh, I, I catch myself uh, like hunching my shoulders and grinding my teeth whenever I get really stressed. Um, but when you notice those things, when you notice that stress, what's the, the first thing that you do uh, to reground yourself, to recenter yourself, and and to be able to commit yourself to doing the next right thing. I I get up, walk around, and breathe. Often, breathe, but I also uh, try to read a little bit. Read a little bit. I like it. Diversion. So okay, so um, I had to check what the the next one was. I I blanked. Um, so uh, my next question is, uh, what's something? Uh, that people might get wrong about you. I'm really tough. Is that a tough one? They think I'm not goofy, but I'm really goofy. (laughs) I love it. What they might get wrong about me. (laughs) What do people get wrong about me? Um, Well, the one thing I always, it's funny, I grew up in First Baptist Church, and all my high school classmates still think I'm a preacher, <laughs> which was the last thing I ever wanted to be. <laughs> I love it. So, okay, this one's, this one's lighter and, and unrelated. Um, what show are y'all into right now? Are you binging anything on Netflix or, or, or watching anything on TV? What is it? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> And that's funny, this pandemic, what this has done for some of the series. And, and I'm really going to step out there. Queer Eye. He loves okay. it. <laughs> Amazing stories, stories of humanity, of caring. Um, I recommend that to anybody. Uh-huh. Alvin, are you watching anything? Or just well, we've that watched Bridgerton. We've watched The Queen's Gambit. Um, everything. I love queer eye too, but that, you know, that's a big surprise. Um, <laughs> okay. So when you guys go to bed tonight, what's on your nightstands On your books or your phones or a, a, an alarm clock? What have you got on there? Yeah. Well, right now it's got uh, Bishop Michael Curry's love is the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gridiron greats by Michael uh, Lombardi, which I, yeah. he, he spoke at Baylor a couple of years ago. Listening to your life by Frederick Buechner. It's always on my nightstand. Um, yeah, my phone, my clock. Yeah. I read anything written by John Grisham. Mm, I like it. And I read anything written by Frederick Buechner. And then our Sunday school class is called the Ragamuffin class. 
because <laughs> of Brennan Manning's The Ragamuffin Gospel. I read that when I was uh, maybe a junior in high school, and I, I, I loved it. I had to go back and reread that. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. So, okay. Now, we're in a pandemic, you know, so we're not supposed to travel. But if it, did, if it wasn't a thing, if COVID wasn't here, um, and time, energy, money, there, you know, there were no limits on resources, where would you guys be if you could be anywhere right now? Paris. Paris. London, just to be yeah. just to be clear, you mean Paris, France, not Paris, <laughs> Texas, right? Okay. Um, yeah, probably <laughs> France. <laughs> Although Paris, Texas is a nice place to go, I hear. <laughs> I'll vouch for it. So okay. Okay. So um what's some advice that somebody gave you or or that you gleaned from somebody, just picked up, uh, that you'll never forget and, and you love um having with you? Mm. My mother told me never to quit asking questions. That is such a good one. Oh my gosh. I think that's one of my favorite ones so far. Wow. Okay. Mark, what about you? Have you got one? Always think of someone else before you think of yourself. That one's, that one's great. I love that one. Okay. Aubin, are you ready for the food question? I still can't figure what do yeah. I like? I can't figure out. Yeah. Okay. I gave I gave it away earlier before we started yeah. the interview. Yeah, but ahead. okay, what's what's your favorite meal? Meal would be bread. Bread? <laughs> bread cooked any specific way? I love bread. You know, um I've I'm, I've been making sourdough bread, I've been making challah bread. Um um my go-to meal would probably be chicken and pasta. Just mm. my comfort meal. Yeah. What about you, Mark? Well, you just can't beat a good filet, medium, rare, with a baked potato and a Caesar salad. We were just talking about going to eat steak tonight, so <laughs> you have affirmed that for me. Thank you. You're going to eat steaks? <laughs> oh, well, there's, so in Waco, there are some uh, restaurants that we trust very fully who are having a very intentional social distance. Social distance, I've got Yeah. Yeah. Lucky. No, we're, diamond, we're not. Diamond. We're not out there uh, at the bars dancing on top of the, uh, yeah. the stage. <laughs> tables. <laughs> yeah. Diamondbacks. Uh, I don't know. I actually haven't been to Diamondbacks in a while, so I don't know how they're they're they are. If I look this way, they're right over there, though. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So okay. Uh, my last question: um, What are both of you deeply grateful for right now? My spouse. Life would be not worth living without Aubin. Y'all are too precious. I love it so much. That was that was such a sweet, sweet answer. Mm-hmm. My gosh. Okay, guys. Thank you both for spending this time uh, with me for for letting me uh, just just listen in on your stories. Uh, I've truly loved just hanging out and and listening. Uh, for the past little bit. Thank you so much. And especially congratulations on, on this award. It truly means so much to be able to give an award to people so deserving. Thank you so much. We're so honored. I'm Jonathan Platt, and you've been listening to Direct Line Conversations, the podcast brought to you by Baylor Line Foundation. You can follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you haven't, 
hop on over to wherever you're listening to this and follow, leave a rating, and a review. It really does help. Join me next week for another Direct Line conversation. Thanks for listening.